Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is episode 314. My name is Byron. I'm here with my good buddy, Joe. Joe, we're here again this week. Uh, we're missing our friend Gary. He'll be back next week, and we're, we're happy to, to get the uh, Three Musketeers back in order. <laughs> but I'm excited for the show, Joe. We have Nikki Sullivan on the podcast for an interview this week. And, and Nikki's a black belt under Andre Galvo and uh, really done some amazing things on the mats. And, and she shares a lot of her story and and uh, really opens up and, and shares some struggles that she's had. And, you know, we all experience like some self-doubt and those sort of things. But, man, we're all human. Even, you know, Nikki seems like, man, she's amazing. She's awesome. But we're all human, and sometimes it's hard to see that when you just look on the kind of the outside of somebody's performances. But uh, Nikki is really gracious with sharing a lot, and it really, uh, I don't know, I think it's gone a lot of the idea that, you know, like a black belt is, you know, perfect or that sort of thing. But I remember back in my my day, the black belt was, I don't know, it took me a couple years to meet a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu, but that person, that was Jiu-Jitsu, that person was perfect, they knew whatever. And I think that's kind of faded as as more and more people become black belts and they don't portray that. You know, we're always learning that, you know, that we can always improve. And if you can improve as a black belt, you're clearly not the best ever as far as you're not even better than you are going to be tomorrow. Anyway, I'm getting a little off things. Nikki shares some really amazing stuff and uh, and it really kind of humanizes uh, what it is to be an Autos uh, black belt, which is a phenomenal thing. You know, uh, she's a black belt under arguably one of the best grapplers ever, and uh, really excited to bring her here today. Yeah, it's always nice to hear other people's stories and uh, how their journeys progressed. I'm sure she uh, went through a lot of different phases in her training, tried different things um, that, that that brought her to where she is now. One thing you can do is uh, get Byron's audiobook, Six Games for BJJ. That will definitely help you along in your journey. He outlines six different games you can play, an example of which would be the Nike method where you just uh, get on the map session, you try not to hesitate, uh, you go for a submission even if you know that you don't have the perfect opportunity, even if you know your opponent's got good defense, you're just going to go for it. When that doesn't work, you're just going to go for the next. He's got six games that will help you get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Byron, where can they find a link for, the, for that audio book? Yep, you're going to go to the show notes or just bjjbrick.com and scroll down a little bit. It's attached to every episode. Uh, click that little picture there and you go right over there. You're going to love it because it's going to help you with your jiu-jitsu and help you explore your own game and get better at things you're already good at. And guys, I have the off-the-mat lesson this week. Recently, I was invited uh, by uh, some uh, friend, Matt, (laughs) Uh, a guy grappling here. His his wife was looking for somebody to speak uh, with a group of uh, uh, people that she works with at at, uh, Wichita State University here. And... Uh, so his wife called me and, and we chatted about you know talking and and she kind of liked the idea that I'm coming from a different place you know jujitsu coaching and, and that sort of thing and and they're more of a teaching environment and just kind of wanted a little bit of uh, 
different angle on things. And it was a great, great time talking with, with those uh, people at, from WSU. And it, uh, I learned a lot and I hope they learned a little bit at least. <laughs> so I hope, you know, hopefully they, they enjoyed it and uh, be happy to do that anytime. Anyway, after it was all over, and it was it was mentioned that you know I train and we have this podcast here and and one of the guys came up to me and said he trains jiu-jitsu as well and he's been training for a few years and like, that's great that's awesome and we we started chatting and he said that for, when do you start learning concepts opposed to just like techniques I like that's a really good question because in the example he had was a sweep. Like the, like the technique of the sweep is, you know, you're going to hold this arm here, you're going to pull their weight over here, you're going to lift the legs over here, and they're going to they're going to fall over. But really, the concept is about uh, controlling their ability to post, off balancing them, and these sort of things. And I and we said it. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. At some point in time, you stop doing a particular sweep, and you start just working to get on top, which whichever avenue happens to to work for you. And I think that's right in a lot of things. And you do need the first step. You do need to learn the sweeps because they work a certain way and, and they're designed to sweep somebody over. But if you could learn it and spend some time and get good at the sweep, at some point in time you're able to play within the, the rules of the sweep and and kind of tweak things because people in jiu-jitsu, this isn't hopefully a surprise, they don't just let you sweep them. <laughs> they fight pretty hard. And you're going to have to, to deal with that. And so just the same sweep every time may not work on everybody. And we have different bodies as well. So uh, being able to, to learn the fundamentals and, and toy around with these concepts and, and still try to get somebody off balance or get their weight in a, in a tricky spot where they can't save themselves from getting knocked over. Uh, I really like the idea. And it happens with anything. You know, if you want to be a great artist... You know, you, you start by drawing that circle and you shade it to make it a sphere or, you, you know, you, you draw some symmetrical thing. Eventually, you're creating something that's your own. Same thing in Jutsu. You, you've got to learn how to draw, how to shade, how to, you know, mix colors or whatever you're doing first. And once you're good at that, then you can start to work and you've got to learn those basics. So I think that people and just to get a little excited sometimes we get online we start watching these millions of techniques that are out there that are really fancy and we're we're trying to blend some crazy color of paint and we don't even know what shade it should be so it, it, it's just something that somebody pulled me aside and asked me a question uh, kind of about jujitsu and concepts and and i i love that so i appreciate that a lot Yeah, that's great. Uh, so, sometimes it's almost like the higher level of competition you're watching, almost the harder it is to pick out sequences and techniques because it's happening fast. And like you said, they're not playing uh, one technique after another. They're playing the fundamentals and they're working to off-balance their opponents and, and remove their base and expose their neck. And uh, it just happens fluidly. And sometimes, uh, well, it doesn't look like the jujitsu I do much <laughs> yeah you see you see nikki it's, sullivan it's a few levels above yeah you see nikki sullivan uh land a renegade choke on another black belt it's like oh okay i know that choke well actually there was a lot going on there that you didn't <laughs> like For sure like, there was a couple of avenues that she might have gone otherwise or you know a reason why she got the neck exposed the way she did there's there's a lot of things happening and if 
you you taught somebody that rear naked choke and gave this that same person a brand new person that that person's back who naked choke it's not going to work because there's so many sub elements happening but uh, you got to learn how to you got to learn the the color wheel before you learn how to paint you got to learn the basics in jiu-jitsu before you could apply them like nikki and that was a great off the mat lesson, Byron. So that pl- it yes. plays right into the it plays right into the quote that you brought as well. Oh, good. What's the? Because yeah. I feel bad because I had the I had the off the mat lesson. So you you bring the quote in. <laughs> yeah, it, it plays right into it. Uh, it's very similar, at least the way I read it. Uh, a good firefighter knows how. An educated firefighter knows why. And that's by Chris Walker. And I, I think Byron, you were sharing with me a little bit your thoughts on it. I might might be a little bit different direction. I think they both make sense though. And the way I looked at it is you can know, you can show somebody how to do like a head and arm choke and then they can repeat a position. You showed them how with uh, um, some success, but if they don't understand why the person's getting choked, if, if they don't understand that it's my bicep on one side of their neck and their bicep slash shoulder on the other side of their neck, if they don't understand that mechanism, they don't know why the opponent's going out. They're stuck only following steps A, B, and C from position A. That's the only way they can finish it. But once they understand why, then they, oh, I could land that from uh, side control. I could land that from half guard. I can land it from another a number of positions, or I could approach it from a different direction, and it becomes like a darse. You know, once they understand the mechanism, the why, uh, they're much than just understanding the half, step one, two, and three. That was my take, brother. Yeah, that's good, and uh, I appreciate you yeah, tackling the the fire quote. I'm bringing in a couple of fire quotes. I had one last week, and I have another one this week. So, <laughs> but a good firefighter knows how. So, to to just quickly put this back on the fire grounds, uh, a lot there's a million examples, but a lot of times if there's a house that's on fire, uh, what, what a firefighter will do is get on the roof, and they'll cut a hole in the in the roof. And then they'll, they'll, they'll poke something down and, and break the sheetrock. And then the smoke will go through that hole, through the attic and out of the, uh, the structure. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a great job. But knowing why you do this is also very important. And, and you're creating a better uh, environment of air in the building or the house uh, if, if you're able to lift that smoke up. It makes it uh, more visible. It makes it uh, more tenable for any occupants that could be trapped in there. It, it makes firefighting efforts go sm- a little sm- more smoothly. It, it, it greatly reduces the chances of like a backdraft or a smoke explosion or these sort of things. Uh, but knowing why is important because there's a there's situations that look like it's a good spot to do this or a good place, but it's not not a good time. You know, maybe the roof is starting to sag in a little bit. Maybe it's a it's a known verified vacant structure that's locked up. But you shouldn't be on the roof anyway. Uh, there's a few things that you should know why you're doing it, and if if it's uh, not appropriate to do, you you wouldn't even you wouldn't even think about it. But just because you know how to do it doesn't mean you know why. And same thing with jiu-jitsu. You know why are you getting the sweep? Well, because I want to get on top. So if you want to work on your guard <laughs> and you're sweeping everybody. You're, maybe that's great. That's a part of your guard. But if you want to work on uh, like a submission, I, it, it is funny to watch somebody who's like, "I'm working on my triangle chokes," and then you spend the next minute trying to sweep me. Like you're not working your triangle chokes. You're working. You're wanting to get on top of me. Why are you trying to sweep me? Because well, that's what you do in jujitsu. You sweep. No, you you just clearly stated you want to work on a particular part of your game. So know your why and also know how. They're both very important. 
Yeah, and I think you sort of touched on no know why you are training you're not training to win you're training to learn and and once you understand that then you'll stay on bottom more if you're working on that triangle yeah if you if you're yeah why are you in the training room you know like you step on the competition day you're you're hoping uh to win and to perform at your absolute best whether you learn anything or not which you you know all things go well you'll learn something as well but uh yeah training day you come in to roll and to to be with your team you should be there to learn. So yeah, that's a good that's a good why. Why are you there training with your teammates? It's to get better at jujitsu. It's not to beat your teammates. Uh, that's, I like that one, Joe. That's a better explanation than when I had a, I had time to think about mine. You just popped that out of there, so that's nice. <laughs> it was all good, man. Iron sharpens iron. But also, what else sharpens iron, Joe? A leather strap, a stone wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you're yep. right. Yep, that's your thing as well. Like, yeah, it is. It's not always just iron that makes things better. Anyway, let's get with the interview with Nikki Sullivan. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. In an effort to blend traditional martial arts with BJJ, he was successful in breaking five cinder blocks with his triangle choke. He put Frankie Valley in a triangle, and he screamed for Sherry Baby. In an effort to fight crime, he likes to check in on Facebook when he is in a bad neighborhood. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm excited to bring Nikki Sullivan to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Nikki, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, uh, we're excited to have you here and, and learn a little bit uh, about you and from you as well. Uh, Nikki, could you just introduce yourself, like who you are on the mat and a little bit maybe off the mat as well? Yeah, uh, my name is Nikki Sullivan. I am 30 years old. I train currently uh, at Atos HQ in San Diego, San Diego California. And, um, outside of that, I, I do a lot of writing for a couple different websites and, you know, I travel and I teach and I teach, um, I help teach the women's class at Autos as well. And yeah, that's basically what I'm doing right now. Cool. What websites do you write for? So I write for, um, belt to belt. So it's belt number two belt and it's a website run by my friend Kayla Patterson and um, she puts out a um, newsletter every Monday. Sorry, I'm having trouble remembering words, but I'll get better. That's okay. She puts out a newsletter every Monday. And so if you're interested in, like, reading some of my writing about jiu-jitsu, and she also puts out news about jiu-jitsu and just different tips and some health advice and, and things like that in every newsletter, and they're really nice. Um, it's called the, the Morning Roll Every Monday. So you can go to their website, belttobelt.com, and sign up for that. Um, sorry for them, and then I write a little bit for Yoga for BJJ as well. Wow, their that, blog. that's cool. How uh, so? How long has that been going on uh, for the belt to belt or yoga? Is that fairly new? Or have you been doing that for quite a while? I started. So I actually um, used to write for BJJ Tees, and that started a couple years ago. I started writing articles for them, and then they kind of stopped putting out content. But I started writing for belt to belt. And I think November of last year. 
And then um, the O for BJJ thing was pretty recent. They put out my first article last month. Cool. Well, we'll look for you there, and I'll put links to both those uh, in the show notes. Uh, Thank you. So what got you started in jujitsu? So I actually started in college, and I went to Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. And um, what a lot of people don't know about IU is that they have a really huge martial arts program. And you can take, like, at least 10 different disciplines of martial arts, like Taekwondo, and you can take Judo, and, you know, you know Kali, and stick fighting, and Jeet Kune Do, and all this stuff. Um, and I actually took Taekwondo my freshman year, and then I kind of didn't continue with it. I just wasn't really... Um, what I wanted to do long-term, but my senior year in college, I took a class for credit in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and just fell in love with it. And so then I joined the university club that met, you know, at night and uh, just got really super excited about Jiu-Jitsu and I joined a gym. And so then after I graduated, because this is right before I graduated, so after I graduated, I um, just stuck around for a while and kept training and just like, this is what I want to do. So you got you got started with a class for credit for college. Uh, what was Correct. that? What was that like? I, was it was it a lot of mat time or a lot of discussion or just teaching techniques? What happened in that class? Yeah, it was it was like maybe a shortened version of a, a normal jujitsu class. I think it was an hour around an hour. Um, so my first instructor, Evan Mainweiler, he's actually um, a very good friend of mine to this day. He lives in Chicago, but he. Um, would usually just start out the class. We'd, we'd learn a couple techniques, and in the beginning, we weren't doing any sparring because we didn't know anything. But then, um, I think on my first day, we learned how to do a rear naked choke, and that was very exciting. We learned how to choke somebody out, and then we learned like a hip toss. The next day, we learned a lot of basics. Um, but by the end of the semester, I think we met three days a week. By the end of the semester, we were sparring more in class, and they they really encourage people to go to the club or to do other training outside of the class because you really it's it's not enough time to grow. Um, so a lot of people would like do other things outside of the class too to supplement that training. That's that's a cool way to start, and it's a it just shows the the opportunity that's out there for people who if you could start a club or start a class at a university, you might. Mm-hmm. Expose that to people who would never think to sign up for that sort of thing. Yeah, I have other friends actually that have gone to universities and started clubs or like tried to help grow clubs at other colleges. Um, it's great because it's, I mean, for me it was super cheap. I think I was paying 40 bucks a semester to train <laughs> there, awesome. you know, and just, and, it, and it's just a neat way to meet people and kind of have a productive um, group of friends within that environment and you get a lot of academic minded people in that environment. Too. Yeah. Did you remember fun. if you got like a grade or how that was, how that was given? Uh, yeah, I did. I got a grade, but I think, uh, well, <laughs> I don't know if I should share this or not, but I will. But he <laughs> told us on the first day, he was like, look, there are two days that you really have to be here. Like, one of the days I think was one of the first days of class and one was the last day where we do the evaluations and like kind of have to turn something physical in. But he was like, other than that, I really don't care if you are here or not. 
um, I don't want you to come if you don't want to be here. Like you chose to take this class. So I'm going to get, give everybody an A, um, show up if you want and, you know, otherwise don't waste our time. Um, but yeah, so he basically, you know, told people that they would, they would get an A if you want. I got an A plus. Um, yeah, there you go. The <laughs> I, I don't think I missed any days and I was very gung ho about it, but yeah. Well, that That's interesting. Uh, what he did with that. And the way I see that, uh, it's not him being, uh, you know, I don't know, lazy as, a, as an instructor or just generous. He was, in reality, controlling the culture of that room. And if you didn't want to be there, he didn't want you there. And if you wanted to be there yeah, and you wanted to sure. train, it's instant. It weeds everybody out who's got a negative attitude about coming and trying to just pass a class. And he gets people yeah, who are actually sure. interested in wanting to learn jujitsu to show up. <laughs> I thought it was great. Yeah, <laughs> I could just imagine <laughs> the average college course that I that I took if they said that at the beginning of the class. <laughs> yeah. that, that that would have been yeah. a, a different road for me. But uh, <laughs> so that was kind of the the start to your jujitsu. When did you end up moving, or or when did you take jujitsu to the next level and make it a more serious pursuit? Yeah, so I trained uh, in the Midwest for a while, and I still lived there, and I worked. So I, my degree is in education and elementary education. And I worked in a few elementary schools and I was a preschool teacher for a couple of years um, while still training at the same time. And so over that time, I think I started training in 2009 and in 2013, I did my first big competition. Uh, and my first big competition was a Chicago open. Like that was my first IBJJF tournament. But then um, I, a buddy of mine that I trained with, decided to go to California to do the Abu Dhabi trials at the time they had trials for the Abu Dhabi pro. Now they do it on more of a points system, but at the time you could go um, to this tournament and then if you placed, you could do the absolute. And if you won your absolute, you would get a free ticket to go to Abu Dhabi and compete in the Abu Dhabi pro in April. So this was in, I think August, maybe that we went to California and we did these trials and I was kind of like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Uh, it'll be fun, and we'll go to California. And I ended up winning as a blue belt, my absolute, and um, getting a ticket. And at the time, I was kind of like, "Is this a real thing?" Like, I didn't, I didn't really know a whole lot about jujitsu at that level at the time. Um, but I won the ticket, and so they paid for everything. They paid for me to fly there. They paid for the hotel, transportation, like everything was covered for this trip. Um, and that was really exciting for me. And I think other people who knew more than I did were really excited for me, which made me feel like, Oh, I should, this is kind of a big deal. <laughs> and, uh, and then that, that was the point where I started to think, you know, I could do this. Like maybe this is something that I could be good at. Um, and so I started trying to challenge myself more and more with competitions and I did pans and I did worlds and, um, I was still a little bit hesitant about, like people would ask me sometimes, have you thought about doing this full time? And I was like, I mean, I, I love it, but I don't know that that's really realistic. Like if I can do money, make money doing that. Um, but I think I, I just hit a point with it where I realized that, you know, I wouldn't know how good I could be unless I went and trained with the best and put myself in that environment where I was just giving a hundred percent to this life um, and to competing and to seeing what I could do. And I knew that if I didn't do that, that I would regret it. And so I decided, you know, 
I, I need to go out and try. And I, I gave myself a year. I was like, okay, I'm going to save up some money. I'll go move to California. And, uh, and I had some friends out there who, you know, encouraged me to come to, and I had a place to stay, but, um, yeah, I said, okay, so the worst that happens is I go out, I run out of money, like I can't do it and I have to move back home and that's the worst that'll happen. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go do it. And, uh, it's been two years now since I moved to California and it's been an amazing two years and I've had a lot of successes and I've had like, you know, some rough times too, but, um, I'm making it and I'm can say right now that I'm making a living doing jiu-jitsu, which is amazing. So it's really exciting. Yeah, that that is cool. And you're you're there at the headquarters. Uh, mm-hmm. uh that, that's that's really cool. And what belt are you and and who under? I'm a black belt. And I got my black belt in January, January 2nd from Andre Galvo. Yeah, that is <laughs> amazing that, and like I, yeah. I just can't imagine anybody I would rather get my black belt. Well, from. That, that's it was really a huge honor. What was that like that? Do you remember that day? I'm yes. You know, I, I was very surprised. I was not expecting it because I'd had a good year, but the last tournament I had had was the Nogi World. And that tournament was a tournament that I was supposed to win. Like, I felt very confident I was going to win. My jiu-jitsu felt great. Like, I looked at the division. And I was like, I can beat all these girls. So, um, I like, I knew I was going to win. And then I didn't win. I got I won my first match and I got submitted in my second match and I ended up getting third place and I was just really bummed out about that um, and not just because like it's okay to lose losing is a big part of it but I felt very disappointed with my performance and how I knew I could perform and I just didn't bring it that day so I was bummed about that personally so I was definitely not expecting to get promoted I was not mentally in a place where I felt like I was anywhere near a promotion you know I was still feeling a little down about that um so it was a big surprise and I was kind of just in a daze the whole rest of the night like because he did it before the training um right at the beginning and I got promoted and I was like what am I supposed to do with this and (laughs) I just it was like it wasn't really real I didn't really know how to handle it and so I was and everybody was super happy for me and and so that was really neat, but then I was just like, yeah, I was in a daze. It took a while for it to sink in, but it had happened because, you know, when you start training, like a digital black belt takes a really long time. When you start training, it seems so far away. And then it happened. I was like, okay, well, I guess we're doing this now. But Has that- yeah, I was also thinking, man, I know the girls that are in my division yeah. the black belt, and now I'm in those divisions. And that's like, wow, okay, that's scary, but we're gonna do it. Yeah, you're, and and you're doing great. Um, <laughs> it's it's. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that, that story and that uh, that that feeling of <laughs> is this real? And it, like I think that happens to a lot of people at a lot of different belts, feeling like mm-hmm. you know, even uh, you know, hand a blue belt or maybe even a white belt with a stripe or something like. Is I don't know about this, but uh, you know. My, my feelings about that is, uh, do you trust the judgment of your coach? And I mean, Andre Galvo, mm-hmm. do you trust the judgment? So yes. <laughs> and and then you just have to rely on that. <laughs> I'm not about to tell him he was wrong. <laughs> yeah, good move. <laughs> and, and so just, you know, he, he sees something in you. And I think that's a lot of times with other just grapplers out there. Your coach sees something in you and, and, and that's, you're now, uh, at that belt level, regardless of what you feel about that. And, uh, 
And yeah. it may be the other way. Maybe you think that you deserve a certain belt and your coach isn't quite ready for you to have mm-hmm. that. Maybe they see something else, so trust their judgment again. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that story. And that is one thing that I've been learning, to, even since I moved out here. And just, you know, I I tend to, to doubt myself a lot. And it's hard not to, especially when you're surrounded by so many just amazing athletes. Um, it's hard not to have those days where you feel like, what am I doing here? And, um, and I really value the people that I've had in my life who have believed in me, even like my coaches and, and my training partners and people who have like given me pep talks on those bad days and people who believed in me, even when I didn't believe in myself. And that's been so important just on my journey, like to keep pushing me and to keep, you know, like be hard on me when I need it. And also to, to be like, no, you can do this. Like we wouldn't lie to you and tell you, you couldn't do this if we didn't think you could, like you can do this. And, and to have, you know, Angelica tell me that, like that just means the world or to have Andre tell me like, you're going to be a world champion, you know, that, um, okay, I believe you. Like, even if, even if I don't feel that way right now, like if you tell me that, you know, more than I do. So that just, um, yeah, that means a lot. Cool. And that, and yet again, him saying that it comes from a source of authority. <laughs> He's seen these yeah. people that become world champions uh, time and time again. So and, and you talk a little bit about that, that self-doubt. You wrote an article about internal dialogue and why it's so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, care to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, this is something that I, I think about a lot. I've written about a few times and I also wrote um, a blog post on my website. So if you go to Nikki Sullivan.com, I think I um, put it in my Instagram too, but I wrote a blog post about my black belt and what it means to me and kind of the emotional ups and downs I went through over the past several months since getting it. Um, Cause it was hard and it was hard to like, feel like I could live up to it and, and all that. But um, yeah, the internal dialogue is really, really important and it's just something that all of us struggle with. Um, and the, I think the more you're pushing yourself, like the more comfortable you are, the less your risks you're taking, the easier it is, right, in, in your mind. And, and I think the more you put yourself out there and put yourself in uncomfortable situations and situations where you could lose and um, the more you're going to struggle in your mind and the more important it is to, like, really have a strong internal dialogue and what I mean by that is like you can't let yourself start to think negative things about yourself and you can't you know even like maybe I'm not saying it out loud but sometimes I'll like do something stupid or I'll lose around you know even in training which is silly like it's training we shouldn't we all know that we shouldn't let a training session get to us but of course it does depending on the day and um you know maybe I do something and then I'm like oh I suck in my mind. And then immediately I start to feel like I suck. And then I start to perform worse because I'm telling myself that negative thing. So I've really found how, how important it is to really just like, you have to like fight away those thoughts. And anytime, even when I'm laying in bed and thinking something negative, like I can't do this or you can't let yourself think things like that. So it's almost like I have this mental ping pong paddle or something that I'm like, hitting away the thoughts with and I, you really have to work at telling yourself positive things on a day-to-day basis and um and with your training partners too you can help each other out because we all understand how it feels so we all have good days and bad days 
Um, one thing I started doing last year was um, I started coming to the gym and I would do this, especially on a day when I was not feeling great. I like I didn't have a lot in my tank and I would say out loud, like in the girls locker room, be like, it's going to be a good day guys. <laughs> and I just started saying that more for myself than for anything else because I didn't feel good about the day. So I needed to tell myself it's going to be a good day. Like I'm here, I'm doing what I love. It's going to be a good day. And, um, and so they started saying it too. And we started saying it to each other. Like whenever somebody would come in, you could tell they're tired. Like maybe they had a late night of work or whatever it was. Like, it's going to be a good day guys. <laughs> and um, yeah. but it really helped. Yeah. It was encouraging. And they're like, no, I like refuse to let this be a bad day. It's going to be a good day. And I'm going to like, no matter what I have to give, I'm going to give a hundred percent and I'm going to be positive about it. And yeah. It's kind of rambled, but yeah, no, that's that's an interesting uh, mental trick because just by saying something, even if you doubt it, uh, Mm -hmm. you're working your brain towards thinking that it's true, and 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 just by it's gonna be a good day and and getting uh, actually you know affecting the team back there in in the locker room, getting people to say that as well. It uh, you're affecting them as well, and I'm sure that some people have that. You know, self doubt. Man, I here we go. It's gonna be a rough day of training. No, it's gonna be a good day. And and you're just changing that <laughs> that before you even get started. That's and that way, if it is a little bit of a rough day, you know, so you rank your day from you know one to ten. One would be you know, I guess, injury, and and ten would be you, you know, you tap on everybody you roll with or something like that. But you, you and if your if your day's on a little bit on the low side, uh, maybe you, maybe just thinking it's gonna good be a good day bumps up a couple of the uh, notches. And, and uh, mm-hmm. it helps you smooth out some of your rougher days. Yep. The things that you let yourself think in your mind really affect you and your energy and, and everything your whole day. Like you can create a downward spiral or you can create something that keeps lifting you up. Uh, so that's something that I've, I've just realized is really important for me. Are you be really intentional and careful about what I think about? Yeah. So how how do you let's just say it is a rough day of training you go home and you're trying to either relax or get some sleep or whatever whatever you're doing and it just keeps that thought keeps creeping in man that sucked <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. man how how, do, how am I trying to do this sort of thing how do you change that uh, do you start what's the process of that of, of attacking that 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 mental framework yeah I mean like I said like I I try to just fight away those thoughts to a certain extent and try to tell myself positive things. And like, and you know, intellectually that, you know, even if I feel like I suck that day, I know that I don't. So I can like kind of work through that in my mind and be like, I know this isn't true. And it it is important to some days to be able to tell yourself, this is how I feel today. And it's okay that I feel sad today. It's okay that like I'm having a not so great day. That's okay. Cause tomorrow's going to be better. And as long as you, can pick yourself back up from that situation. Like it's, it's okay to say tomorrow's a new day. Like I'm going to sleep this off and tomorrow's going to be a new day and I'm going to attack tomorrow hundred percent. You know, I think that's, that's okay to do because we all are going to have tough days. Um, and there are some things that I do also, like I read my Bible and I pray and that makes a huge difference to me just even focusing on verses that, that tell me positive things about, you know, being confident about being patient about not losing my hope. Um, things like that helped me a lot. And I play guitar and I sing too. And that's something that really music can be very uplifting. Music can affect 
my mood. Um, you know, if I listen to a sad song or an angry song or a happy song, it can very much affect me. So I definitely, you know, will find songs that make me feel really motivated. Um, and that can help. And even sometimes movies, you know, like watching like a motivational sports movie or something. I know a lot of people who will do that even before a competition to kind of fire themselves up. Um, and that, yeah, there are a lot of little things like that that you can do to pick yourself up. Yeah, these are, these are great. Uh, you know, music, we've all felt that music can definitely affect your mood. Uh, if I notice myself being kind of a a grumpy guy or whatever, uh, I will, if I remember or think about it, I need to put some music on and, and change my mood. And it, it does change things. It's really an amazing thing. Uh, the example of the movie, that's, that's really cool. What do you have any top movies that you like to watch to get yourself motivated for athletic endeavors? Um, I don't always watch movies before athletic endeavors, but I know, <laughs> um, any, like remember the Titans is one of my, my yeah. top favorite movies. It just always makes me feel motivated. Yeah. It's such a great story. Um, Anytime, like I watch a lot of superhero movies, and those are always kind of just make you feel good and inspiring. It always has some kind of story of somebody who started, you know, like Captain America. He starts as a scrawny little guy, and then he uh, becomes this just amazing leader, superhero character. Um, so stuff like that is always encouraging to see somebody who like had to go through struggles and then, you know, make make their way through that. Um, trying to think about anything else 300 is a good movie you know um yeah yeah those those are good examples and uh same thing as the music it 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 can definitely affect your mood or affect your motivation and uh, like a simple example that that anybody who runs knows if if you're running right now listen to a podcast like this interview you know you're running Mm -hmm. at this pace for me if i if i'm running to listen to music I usually run a little bit faster. Yeah. Just, there's nothing I do differently. I don't try to run faster. I just music is something that I could run to at, at, a, oh, at a quicker sure. pace. We even do that in uh, training. So we usually listen to music while we train. Not always, but a lot of times we do. And so some days it's like fast music with a beat that like really gets you pumped up to go. And sometimes even you're dragging, and then somebody turns on the music and that beat drops, and all of a sudden you feel like really energized. Um, and then there are also some days where professor wants us to chill out a little bit and so and like not kill each other so he'll play some more chill music or like some 80s music or something like that because he wants us to have fun and it's funny how they really are intentional about the music in the gym so now you're taking jiu pretty seriously it's, it's a full-time thing and and, and we've talked about mm-hmm. some different stresses uh day to day you still having fun with it or does it ever seem like work I am having fun with it. And there are days when it seems like work, especially because it is what I'm doing uh, with my life. I do still enjoy it for sure. I think if you talk to anybody who competes um, like at the, at the top level and does like a world camp, by the end of the world camp, because we, it's like a nine week camp. It's a pretty long camp. By the end of the camp, yeah, most people aren't really having fun. You know, like there are days when you hate it and that's okay. And that's normal. And you're kind of supposed to, and they do a really good job of, of tapering it so that, you know, like the last week of the camp, everybody's just dead. And then the next week, the week, like before the competition, it's just really light and chill and we're having fun. 
And we're like, Andre actually brought in this guy to run warmups, one of the last um, kind of lighter days of comp class before Worlds. And he like had us do a dance. He like led a dance warm up. And it was just silly and, and fun, but you know, just lighthearted. Um, so that's like important, I think, to get to the point where you're just killing yourself and it's not even fun. And then to be able to like, slow it down and come back to like, okay, this is something we love. We have fun doing and like mentally we're going to put ourselves in that place before we go compete. Um, so I think it's okay to have, to have days like that where you just don't really enjoy it and to be able to, to push yourself through it anyways. Cause that's like the people, the people who come out on top, those are the people who mentally are able to push themselves even when they don't feel motivated. Um, but I think I definitely still enjoy it. And for me, you know, being able to take breaks is really important. Being able to travel a little bit, just take days to go to the beach or whatever it is to have some balance in my life. That's something that really helps me to to keep enjoying it. Um, I just was traveling and I was in Denver and Philadelphia the past couple weeks. So I just got back to San Diego and I had a really fun time on the trip but it was also really good to be gone for a couple of weeks and then be really excited to come back. Cause now like I'm just really excited to see everybody and to train and to be in San Diego and to go to the beach. And so things like that really help you remember how much you appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. So uh, how taking a break is that you mentioned traveling, but if you, if you're just feeling burned out, is it like taking a day off or taking a couple of days off or is it changing your meals for a little bit? Like what's a way that you uh, give yourself a break yeah, to kind of recover? We, I mean, we, I always take rest days during the week. Like I never train every single day. Um, and even when we have a camp going on, we don't train every single day. We actually train Monday, Tuesday, take Wednesday off and then train Thursday, Friday. So the days we train are intense, but then we also rest really hard. Uh, and I really like that. And um, sometimes I think it's important to take a longer break depending on like, like if you're pushing yourself for a really long time and you're competing a lot, maybe a week off or maybe even like a month off. It's, I think jujitsu is unique in the sports world and, and the fact that we don't really have an off season, like there is kind of after worlds is a little bit slower, but there are always tournaments happening. So as an athlete, you kind of have to be responsible for your own self and taking a break and taking an off season. Um, I think a lot of people do take a break after Worlds. I went home after Worlds for almost a month, and I my mom had a knee surgery, so I helped her out. And I took a complete week off from training, and then um, I was traveling and training a bit, but I wasn't pressuring myself to train. But if I felt like I wanted to, then I would go train. But if I wasn't feeling it, then I would just rest and do something else to hang out with a friend. Um, and so I think it's important to have times when you can do that like if if you have a big competition coming up then yeah you kind of have to push yourself to keep going and to to train a lot but if you don't then it's okay to you know take it a little bit easy um i know for me it's hard it's really hard for me to take breaks i've always like been somebody who wanted i wanted to push myself but um it's something that i'm getting better at and learning that I want to do this as long as I can. So I really need to take care of myself, not only physically, but mentally as well. 
and I want to keep enjoying this. So being able to have times when I can take a day or a week off. I actually had Professor Andre tell me one time that he wanted me to take a week off because <laughs> he could tell I was burnt out and I was like feeling like I needed to keep training. And he was like, you should take a week off. And so I did. So what, I look at, looking at that, do you have any idea what he saw in you that made him say that? And he just saw that I wasn't enjoying it. He yeah. saw that I was like feeling bummed out. Like maybe I wasn't smiling as much. Um, yeah, I was training, but I was lethargic. Like I wasn't performing as well in my roles. Yeah. Yeah. I think he could just, he's a very good coach. And Angelica is a very good coach. They're very observant. Um, and they, they want us to succeed. And so they, they keep an eye on how people are doing and they'll even like message you outside of training and make sure you're doing okay. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome that you have that. And it, uh, you know, being able to take time off or even your coach to say, hey, take a week off, uh, I think helps yeah. for your long-term success, like you're talking about, both mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think people kind of get an automatic, you know, time off. Hey, you know, when you get injured or you have to get, uh, you know, like healed up, uh, we yeah. don't realize it, but that's time off and you come back, you feel great, <laughs> both mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually hurt my ankle in Abu Dhabi in April. And, uh, so I came back and I couldn't train. So I ended up taking about a week off for that. And it ended up being really good because I mentally didn't want to train and I felt really burned out. But if I hadn't been injured, I would have pushed myself to keep training anyways. And so being, having an injury kind of forced me to, and it was kind of like a relief. It's like, okay, I have a a good reason not to train and I'm just going to the rest for a week and then by the end of that week I was like really itching to train and I wanted to be back in the match. So Yeah. Man, uh, yeah, that's that's cool. Like if you could just think of the difference between the who's gonna get the most of the training session, the person who is dragging themselves into the room or the person who's excited mm-hmm. about it and, 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 and thinking about it all day. It's pretty clear <laughs> who's likely to have the better training session. <laughs> and yeah, it, so for make sure. yourself that person if at all possible. Yeah, definitely. You also talked about uh, yoga for BJJ. Tell us a little bit about that and and why uh, you're an advocate for doing yoga. Yeah, Yoga for BJJ is an online website you can go and subscribe to. And they have um, trained people. So right now, Sebastian, he's a jiu-jitsu black belt. He um, leads most of the yoga. They have different programs. They have like some for beginners, more advanced, and they have specific body part related programs like for your back or for your hips or your neck things like that um and they have like a yoga for rocks just for people who consider themselves very inflexible and um there's different things so there there's something for everybody they're like intense sessions they're really chill morning sessions where he's just sitting and his baby is sleeping in a cradle next to him and, um <clears throat> so but yeah so he's just a black belt teaching yoga specifically to people who train jiu-jitsu and so he'll talk about in his videos, like, you know, things that tend to like hurt from training and why, and then things that you can do um, even to warm up for training or to cool down after training. And he'll just talk about why it's important. It's very practical. He explains everything very well. He's funny. So I really enjoy just doing the yoga. And for me, um, 
you know, even like I always try to stretch for at least a few minutes after training because um, I used to get really bad lower back pain. And then when I started really focusing on stretching my hamstrings and my glutes, it made a huge difference. Um, and I invert a lot and I do a lot of things that put a lot of impact on my body. So for me, doing stretching and yoga is really important just to take care of my body. Um, so I got involved with them last year and and I just love their site. I love the way they present their information. It's very easy to use. You know, if you want to just do 10 minutes of yoga, you can. If you want to do an hour of yoga, you can do that too. Um, so that works really well for me because I don't always have a lot of time. And it's also something I can just do at home in my living room or wherever I have space or on the go too. So I really like that. I don't have to go to a class. I don't have to have other people to do it. Um, yeah, I try to, my, my goal is to do that every day. I don't always, but it's my goal is to do a little bit every day. Yeah. And, you know, Nikki, we don't all have Andre Galvo teaching us and Angelica teaching us jujitsu every day. <laughs> and to do jujitsu, you need another person uh, in order uh-huh. to get better. But the good thing about yoga is we can all take a, like a world-class yoga uh, class, basically like at home or, you know, by yourself, you don't need anything really. <laughs> just, yeah. th- just that willingness right. to do it. And, uh, same thing with weight training or cardio. Uh, you, you, I'm sure you have great systems and all that, but there's no excuse for anybody not to, not to obtain that because that shouldn't be the hard part of jiu-jitsu is, is getting, uh, you know, right. flexibility and, and preventing injuries with yoga or strength training or, or cardiovascular systems. Like that stuff, we know the answer to that. But but having Andre or Angelica in the room, that's a different piece of the puzzle <laughs> that we don't all have access to or that we, you know, all around the world we don't. But um, is I think people just either lack the motivation to do that or lack the, the knowledge that how much of a difference it could make. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's something that, we could all do at, at, and, and have really great instruction with <laughs> as well. So that, yeah. that's pretty neat. Um, yeah, for sure. So what, what are we going to find if we go to uh, NikkiSullivan.com? Oh, if you go to NikkiSullivan.com, it is attached to my Facebook and my Instagram. Okay. And then I also, it has a blog and I don't post as regularly on that, but I have a few like blog posts that I've made about something that, was significant to me. Like I think I made a post about when I moved to California and just about, you know, everything that I went through with that. Um, and then the post about my black belt was another big one that I made. So I, I tend to post, like I post a lot on my Instagram and I write a lot of articles, but whenever something really major happens in my life, or if there's something I feel really passionate about, I'll make a blog post about that and put it on my website. Um, I think there are links to some videos on there too of matches and highlights that I've made. Cool. That, that, I like the, I, I think that most, uh, a lot of athletes that I interview don't have a, a website. I'm glad you do. It's a good way to keep up with you. And it's a centralized location to go and, and find your social media and that sort of thing as well. So uh, I really applaud you on, on doing that. And, and uh, it makes it makes you more accessible to the uh, community as well. Yeah. So uh, Nikki, uh, happy to have you on here and, and, and learn from you today. You sound like a, uh, a great uh, competitor and a member of the community. Uh, 
tell me quickly uh, about your sponsors, and then I also definitely want to hear about you teaching uh, seminars and your availability for that. Yeah. Um, so my sponsors, my key sponsor is Roll Dogs Kimonos. They're based out of LA. They're great guys, small, like locally owned business. And they, um, I love their geese. I love, you know, they've really taken care of me. So I just, um, and <clears throat> big fans of them, obviously. And then yoga for BJJ is one of my sponsors and also ground shark coffee. They're based out of Denver, Colorado, and they make, they're jujitsu practitioners who make coffee and it's actually, um, coffee that's like jujitsu themed kind of so they have a white belt blend and a blue belt blend and so on they have a blend for every belt and then they did a signature blend for me um this past month the cuddles blend coffee one of their signature black belt blends cool and um i'm biased obviously but i really like it and how did that come about how did you get your own coffee (laughs) hey yeah i i don't know i've like I've made it, you know, that's, that's the moment I was like, okay, yeah. I can retire now. I have my own coffee. Um, I met them a couple of years ago when I was actually making my road trip out to California. I stopped through Denver on the way and I did a fight to win pro and I did a seminar there and I met um, Adam Romero who's one of the guys who owns the company. And then he's always just been supportive of me, um, whether on social media or anytime I've come out there to do a seminar, he's come and supported me. And then he and his buddy, decided um to start their own coffee company and they contacted me and they're like hey you know we'd like to sponsor you and um and they ended up wanting to do a like some signature blends so they're like we want you to be our first black belt so that was just a big honor for me and and I love coffee if you you know follow me at all on social media you know that so um that was just exciting even to have people sending me coffee in the mail but then to have my own like signature coffee it was just really cool. Um, so they had me out last month and I did a seminar and we did, like tasted coffee and just had a lot of fun with the coffee, but they put a lot of effort into their craft and they, you know, they go to find the just right bean and they make sure they roast it perfectly and they test it several times before they put it out there to make sure it's a um, spectacular product. Wow. So I really appreciate them. That's cool. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> where, where, what's your status for being available to teach seminars and, and travel and do that sort of thing? I am very available for seminars. Um, I usually try to put things out there when I'm already going to be traveling, but I'm always, you know, happy to, to travel um, anywhere to teach. So if anybody is interested in having me out for a seminar, they are welcome to contact me on social media. Um, or, you know, the email address that's listed on my website too works great. But yeah, just just send me a message and um, we can talk about it. But I, I love teaching. It's, I mean, my, my degree is in teaching um, and I didn't pursue that as far as a classroom teaching career, but it's still something I'm very passionate about. And I love that I have the opportunity to use those skills in jiu-jitsu. Um, and I love to just share my love for jujitsu and, and the techniques that I like to use with other people. So teaching is something that I love to do. So definitely hit me up if you want to have me out for a seminar or a workshop or private or whatever. Um, I love it. That's cool. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, people will do that. I think it'd be a, a definite value add to any 
uh, jiu-jitsu school if they they had you out there you're gonna show some really amazing stuff and and share that that passion uh, that you have it's it it different people teach different things at seminars and i've been to a lot of great seminars but sometimes that the person will come in and show a couple of cool techniques and and some people will pick those up but sometimes the person will come in and teach a seminar and they leave and everybody's pumped about jujitsu and excited about the <laughs> possibilities you know just like yeah. both of those are, are great things and if someone can do both at the same time that's really cool and i think that you're definitely a person who would be able to do that thank you what's going on in the future do you have any any big plans coming up Oh, that's a good question. Um, so right now, I think the next big tournament would be Masters Worlds in August. And then, it, you know, it'll be Nogi season and we have Nogi Pans and Nogi Worlds coming up. I'm training a lot of Nogi for that. Um, personally, like I might be having a t-shirt coming out soon. And I'm also in the works of possibly coming out with a DVD or a digital download of some of my signature moves. So I'm excited about that. Cool. That, that's awesome. And probably the, the best place would be your website to kind of keep up with you on everything mm-hmm. or get a hold of you if you want to book a seminar. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Or Instagram. Instagram works really well too. Nikki, it was great having you on the podcast. Uh, enjoyed you sharing your story and, and some of your thoughts about Jesus. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Man, I want to thank Nikki for hopping on the show with me. Uh, super fun to have her. And uh, yeah, follow her on social media. Keep up with her. If you're looking to have a seminar, she's available for that sort of thing. Amazing instructor. She's kind of the uh, a great uh, mix between high performance and high ability to share and, uh, and to teach. So uh, great opportunity if you're looking to have somebody come out and teach a seminar. Get a hold of Nikki. I hope to have the opportunity sometime to train with her. That'd be awesome. Guys, if you like this show, tell a friend, uh, share it through social media, uh, let, let them know how they can find us, and uh, make sure and come back next week. This is our topic ep- episode. And Byron's chosen the topic of a month's worth of training in one class, so I think he's going to tell you all a secret how you can get get really good really fast. So. Anyway, yeah, can you, you can you imagine that, Joe? A month <laughs> worth of training in one class, and and I've experienced this. Joe, have you ever experienced some like getting a month's worth of uh, improvement in jiu-jitsu in just one class? Yeah, I, I think what you're getting at is like a eureka moment or an aha moment. Yeah, and, yeah, I, I I have had those, and uh, it's it's awesome when it happens. You feel like you're walking on air for the next week, and then uh, you hit that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you hit that training partner that you use as a yardstick, and they bring you back down to earth. But I have had those moments, and they're awesome. Yeah, and so we want to try to – you can't do that every day because then it's just your daily training is really accelerated. But uh, we try to, we're going to try to find spots and, and make those happen more often uh, in your jiu-jitsu career. We do an article uh, this week. It's from uh, – the, the website is Gypsy Girl in a Gi. The article is titled, How to Drag Yourself Out of the BJJ Slump. So uh, she experienced, Gypsy Girl, experienced a bit of a slump and just kind of, uh, I don't know, like like happens to a lot of people, kind of hit that slump, not excited to go train, not going, and uh, you're occupied with other things. That's uh, I've been fortunate to not really experience that. So, Joe, how about you? Have you seen uh, many slumps or or had to deal with that? 
Well, I've had my ups and downs. Um, you know, my training schedule sporadic because of my work schedule. And uh, sometimes I'll, I'm off the mat for five days or eight days. And um, yeah, I kind of feel like it's hard to get back in the groove after that sometimes. Yeah. You, you know, and so I experience that sometimes when I go on, uh, you know, vacation or like, man, I'm getting out of shape. <laughs> So it's good to try to keep up with that. Or if you get injured and you want to take a little bit of time off to get healed up, that's those are smart things to do, uh, you know, to get healed up. But you have to realize that you're going to get back on the mat and that it's going to be a, a good thing. So for whatever reason, whether it's motivation or injury or, you know, off the mat life is hitting you, maybe maybe you have like a really busy season at work and you're maybe you work in retail and around Christmas time, you just don't train much. <laughs> Uh, don't let that turn into a long-term thing where you miss all of January as well because you were busy in the Christmas season. And and she got kind of kind of uh, pushed to just get back in the gym, you know, do a little bit of a, uh, a kickboxing class or something. Just get back in there and get to moving. And I think that's 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 kind of a good uh, thing to do. And and coaches could do that if they see their students are missing a lot of class. Come back in and get and just get that just get a day with us and and hopefully they'll remember. How great the Mac could treat them. Yep. So I, th- I think she probably trains at a gym with a great culture because she's got teammates that are, you know, encouraging to come back in. That's a good reason to get involved with your teammates, you know, on a deeper level than just we go wrestle together. But, you know, become friends with them, uh, be invested in their lives and, and uh, they'll be invested in yours. And then you'll have that support group, that support when you need it to get back on the mats if you're off. Yeah. And then this this whole topic it reminds me of something that we don't say probably often enough especially when you're dealing with somebody who has you know made some mistakes or not the biggest mistake but missed some training whatever it is i think it's an important thing to be able to forgive yourself especially the past you <laughs> that person that was last month or last week or 2 years ago or 10 years ago we all make mistakes uh, sometimes I make mistakes constantly, <laughs> but we, we all make mistakes, and you need to be able to say, you know what, that was that was then, and and I'm I'm looking to make things better, and I got to forgive that person that was me last year, or that you know went to eat a cheeseburger every day of the week last week, whatever it is, forgive that person, try not to do it again, but move forward, and so the art of forgiving yourself for your past mistakes is something that makes the rest of your life go uh, maybe a little bit smoother makes you let you be become uh, a little happier when you're able to do that because we all make mistakes and yeah horrible uh, c- continuous long-term negative self-talk is just horrible for your performance you, you'll you'll never get anywhere and I know this personally um, you know everybody knows that if you're I suck at jujitsu you know I can't ever make it to class I'm out of shape I suck at jujitsu you know, if that's your mindset all the time, it's really going to hold you back. Yeah, and that's okay, Joe. You, uh, you know, we're working a little bit a week ahead here, trying to get uh, kind of bulked up for uh, when I head out on a trip. But uh, you haven't had a chance to listen to the interview with Nikki. But Nikki talked about that exact thing. Uh, oh, awesome. amazing! <laughs> and as, as, yeah. it, both of you said it, it's true. You know, I've, uh, I know that as well. So if you're if you're feeling negative things. Uh, you know, Nikki had the advice of just you got to change that. Whether it's a song or a movie or something to change your mood about that, uh, y- you got to do that because that'll be those negative things will become real. 
And uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and I, I know it's the, the getting back in class is that hard first step, but that's where all my negative self talk goes away. I mean, I, I, my mind is just completely clear when I'm in class. So if you're struggling with that negative self talk, more mat time might be part of the answer. Yeah. And if you know what, if you're, uh, if your teammates are having that hard time, make sure they have a good role. And it, it might be, you know, you let them work their game a little bit more than you would, you know, or, uh, you know, you, you give them uh, a little bit more than you usually would. A big part of this is not how that five or ten minutes goes while you're rolling. It's how they feel when they get off the mat, you know. And if, you know, if, if Joe's like, man, I'm not feeling it today, but I'm going to show up anyway. And he comes in there. And, and I'm, you know, and Joe, you know, I felt his, his half guard passing pressure. It's it's crazy. (laughs) So I could, I have two choices. I could avoid that at all costs, you know, try my best to take Joe down and stay on top and, and try not to get, try not to deal with, with Joe's uh, pressure passing. Or, uh, I, you know, if Joe's, if that's something he's wanting to work on right now, I could put myself there. And and Joe could have an awesome role. I could have an awesome role. I'm still fighting hard, but it's not where I typically would want to be for <laughs> the entire role. But when when Joe gets up, he either feels like he had a great role or feels like he didn't have a great role. And and for any teammate that's having a, a hard time uh, or has been gone for a little while, you want them to come in and have a have an enjoyable role. And it's not like you need to let them walk all over you and 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 do all that. But uh, so long as they're able to have a good you know competitive role and they're able to try a few things you know just the opposite if joe walked in and and some you know really good uh practitioner was there and joe couldn't do anything i don't know why i'm saying you instead of me it's kind of (laughs) (laughs) but you know that's not okay you come back tomorrow yeah probably but how many days in a row is that gonna happen for you to where it's like this is kind of (laughs) sucky make it enjoyable for your teammates if if at all possible i guess that's what i'm getting at in a long-winded way very well said, Byron. Yep. It would have been it would have been better said if it wasn't uh, you know if multiple paragraphs was just a sentence or two. But <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm delivering today, man. I uh, I mentioned his name last week, but Joseph uh, is our newest Patreon supporter. Unless we've got one in last week or so. But uh, Joseph, thank you so much for hopping on Patreon, supporting us. And uh, what Patreon is, it's a website that helps content producers, like podcasters. Like you, if you listen to many podcasts, you probably hear other people have theirs. Go support them as well. Uh, podcasting isn't super easy, and it can be costly. It's it's always costly with our time, but uh, there are definite expenses to running a website, publishing a podcast, and that sort of thing. And, uh, and Joseph's wanting to help us out and uh, help us reach to a more sustainable, successful spot. Uh, I'll mail you out two five-inch BJJ brick gi patches. You get the old throwback gi patch and the the brand new shining sparkly uh, high thread count. I don't know what what it's called, but it's got a lot more detail in it. <laughs> it looks really good. Uh, and, and and I'll throw a sticker in the envelope. I mail this this gi patch sticker combination all over the world, so it doesn't matter where you are. If you're a Patreon supporter, I will mail you that out as a token of our appreciation. And, and a way you could you could show your support on your gi if you if you like. I've some people put them in their cars. Some people do other things with them. Gary's getting ready to get that tattoo. <laughs> if, you, if you want a tattoo, I will send you the high resolution uh, image. <laughs> but reconsider getting the BJJ brick tattoo, please. <laughs> anyway, uh, you're also invited to join the private Facebook group. 
I forgot to say it last week, and, and I don't I'll forget many times, but if you're a current Patreon supporter, like in, like you've been for before we had the new patch, and you're just not hearing this, I want you to have the new patch. Just send me an email. Hey, Byron, I'm, I've been a Patreon supporter, and I want the new patch. And send me your current address, because if your address has changed, I want to mail it to the person who moved in. They probably don't listen, and it would go nowhere. But send me your current address on the email that's saying that you would like the updated geek patch, and I'll mail it right out to you guys. I want all the Patreon supporters to have the uh, have both key patches. So um, that's something that uh, you'll like it when you get it. So why not send me your current address and, and just ask for it if you're the Patreon supporters that haven't received it yet. So if I forget that, you know, uh, I remember this week, so that's good. But email address, I should tell you that. <laughs> bjjbrick at gmail.com. That's where you'll send that to. Or any questions you have for us. Joe, we got well, a, we got a big <laughs> episode next week, man. <laughs> a lot of pressure. I'm so glad Gary's going to be here. Yep. So uh, we'll get back to the three musketeers or three amigos or uh, three blind mice. What else? Three stooges. There, there's a lot of options. You're getting, you're getting more accurate the further down the <laughs> list you get. <laughs> but uh, mm. um, we'll, we'll tell you. Uh, we'll share our experiences with it. We'll share how we try to make it happen more often and. Uh, and get make you, you every class may not be a month of the training, but if you can get one point five classes out of one class, you know, just increase the amount you're able to learn and, and get out of each class, and occasionally hit that boom, hit that big moment in class. That's amazing uh, feeling. If you haven't experienced it yet, we'll hope you get there. So uh, stay sweaty, my friends. Don't forget to shower. Train hard. Train smart. We'll see you on the mats. Get better. Get better. You got to get better. And we'll see you on the mats, guys. Yep. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.